0: You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 28 with Jill Coleman. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey guys, hope you're having an awesome week. I've got an amazing episode for you today with Jill Coleman. I was so excited and honored that she came on the show it was open and vulnerable and super real. And I can't wait to get into that part of the show. But before that, I want to talk about something that I've kind of been teasing uh, for the past few weeks and maybe even months actually. And that is my five day free program and live training, Prep Like a Pro. And Preplica like Pro will help you get better in the kitchen so you can actually get awesome meals on the table without feeling overwhelmed. And this is something that I hear from people that it's their number one struggle because, with what we hear out there, obviously um, we know we should be eating healthy. We know we should be eating whole foods and things like that. But when you begin to do that, you're going to have to cook a lot. And that really deters a lot of people. And unless like you can afford to have somebody like me help you, or you're eating out at every meal, you kind of have to cook if you want to, if you can't get like a meal delivery service or something. So in prep like a pro I've taken my six years, which I cannot even believe that it's been that long. My six years of experience as a private chef and nutritional therapist, and I've put all of my strategies and tools into this free program. So the goal of this program is to make your kitchen life easier, Make it so that you don't get stressed out. And to be honest with you, I've made thousands of recipes and I've taught hundreds of people how to cook. And the more I made recipes, the more I realized how many steps and recipes are just not necessary, how many recipes are fussy and just take way too long. And I'm not about that. When I'm in the kitchen, I need to be efficient. That time better be deliberate. I'm not one to um take longer than things need to be because like you I want to get in and I want to get out and I still want to have something awesome because we know that loving our food actually makes our relationship with food more sustainable because we actually like what we're doing so there's no need to like kind of binge or Uh, stray from the way that we're eating because we kind of eat the same every day. And that's something we talk about in the episode with Jill, we cover moderation. Um, But I want you to know that after making all these recipes, I realized that there are just like maybe 10 or 12 techniques that exist. I'm talking basic techniques. I'm not talking about like French style culinary technique, which is like, there's hundreds of them. But if you just want to get food on the table, there's really only like 10 or 12 that you need to know. And that's what I'm going to be talking about in prep like a pro. I want you to cook without recipes. I want you to be able to look at your fridge and be able to make something. I just want it to be easy for you and seamless and effortless. Um, You will need to be putting like a little bit of effort in the beginning of the week, but then it's just all so worth it. So make sure that you sign up for that. I will link to it in the show notes and you can also visit my Instagram bio at Ashley K Pardo and go to the link tree and it's the first link right there. So I hope you guys sign up. We have way more people than I was anticipating, which is amazing. We have a dozens of women, so can't wait to have you make sure that you sign up if that is something that you're into. So let's get into Jill. So Jill Coleman is actually my business coach. I'm in her mastermind. I started in January and you guys, I was scared shitless to start this mastermind. I am really in the early stages of my online business. And a lot of the, most of the women in our group are seasoned. They've been doing this for a long time. And I really wanted that. I really wanted to be in a room full of people that knew more than I did when it came to this stuff. And although I have Always had a successful private chef business. People always need to eat. And luckily, I've been in that position and I'm super grateful for that. But I wanted a little bit more. I wanted to spread my message a little bit more. And I've been kind of trying stuff over the years, still kind of like fearful and scared. And that's why I hired Jill. And I'm so grateful to have been part of or to be part of this mastermind. Um, But Jill is actually. I don't even know how to put into one sentence what she does, but she has basically built an online empire at Fit, which is her company. And she helps health and fitness pros grow their businesses online. She was once a personal trainer and a fitness competitor who like me grew tired of exchanging her time for money. So she found it by Working online and her business evolved to now where she has helped over 500 people do that. She teaches about mindset, fitness, training, nutrition, relationship stuff, like psychology, abundance, uh, and really just like owning your shit and living the life that you want to live and feeling confident enough and having the self-belief and the self-worth to do what you want to do in your life. And that resonates so deeply with me and I hope it resonates with you. I'm sure it will. If you're listening to this show, we, I mean, I already know we have a similar value system if you're listening, but she shares so many amazing gems in this episode. Be sure to check her out at jillfit.com. You can find her at jillfit on Instagram. And she actually also has a podcast called the best life podcast with Danny J where she shares amazing things, um, life stuff, nutrition stuff, food stuff, training, relationships, everything. So here we are. Be sure to check out Jill. And I hope you guys love this episode. So welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you so much for being on today.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. So I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. And you know that I've been following you for a long time and I've learned so much from you over the years. And now that I've gotten to know you more, you're my business coach. I've hung out with you in person. I just have so much admiration for you in what the way that you teach, like the fact that you really embody who you are. And like, I look at you and I'm like, she is like, she owns her shit. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> and... um Yeah, I just have that admiration. And not only about like the mindset stuff. Oh, you're welcome. Even about like food and training and um, all of these different things that we're going to get into in the episode. But before we get started, tell us what you do now and how you got to where you are for those that might not be familiar.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for asking that and thank you so much for that really sweet intro. Um, yeah, so right now I'm doing so JillFit at JillFit.com, that's my business. It has been in existence for about eight years now. Um started off just as a blogger years ago, did not have all that much time to build my business. In fact, I didn't actually even know what business was, I just knew what blogging was. And so I just said, well, I guess I can take what's in my head. And I can put my workouts and put my recipes up on the internet for people. And this is at the beginning of kind of social media, Facebook business pages, etc. And I did not know anything about business. And so fast forward about a year and a half, and I was an expert in nutrition and fitness, but had no idea how to actually make sustainable money on the internet. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was kind of forced my hand. I was really kind of stuck. I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching personal training in the gym, teaching fitness classes and also doing meal plans and things like that over the internet with distance clients. And I was just maxed out and it was a great problem to have, but I hit a ceiling because I had used kind of my old method of, well, if you have more time in the day, just take on more clients or take on more jobs or, and so I was doing a lot of time for money. And then I was just doing the internet time for money. And so about a year and a half in, I figured that if I was going to really build this thing and figure out systems and strategies for how to scale it that I needed to become a businesswoman, And so it's like learning a whole new language. So I just invested in coaches, mentors, courses, books, um, going to in-person events, conferences. I stopped really spending money on fitness and nutrition expertise because I was already at a level where that was fine. And I started just really doubling down on the business stuff. And then about a year later, I started coaching business coaching for online fitness and health professionals. So since then, that's probably the majority of what I do in my day to day, probably three quarters of what I do. And then that other quarter is direct to consumer fitness and nutrition programs over the internet.
0: And it's so crazy to me to hear you say that there was a time that you knew nothing about business because I look (laughs) at you now and I'm like, oh my God, she's like the master. But it's cool at the same time because it's like, wow, this stuff is teachable and learnable and it's a skill.
1: You know, it really is. And so, when, and and I know, Ashley, like you're in the point where your business and you're teaching people about how to eat healthy and how to make, you know, delicious food in the kitchen that's easy and and all that kind of stuff. And you're kind of creating systems and frameworks for other people to start learning that stuff. And so, I had created some of those things in nutrition and fitness. And my first couple of years as a business coach, again, I was still learning. So, I started just teaching frameworks that I learned from people who had been doing it longer. Mm. So like one does. And I was like, Oh, well, this person, you know, teaches this thing. And this person over here teaches this thing. And I was using those things because my clients really weren't see, I was basically the curator of information. I was like, well, this person, and then over time, you know, seven years later, I've had plenty of my own experiences as a business coach. And I've learned things that are not quite even being taught yet. And so I have started to create my own frameworks and systems around business. And so that Mm. is when you kind of know that you're at that maybe like level two expert, right? Where not only do you know how to do it, but you know how to teach it. And those are two different skill sets.
0: A hundred percent. And I think after time, you might begin to see like patterns and things that like repeat themselves over and over that you just like, it's kind of like a template, I guess, that you can use. Um, well,
1: you have, you have, you have client contacts, right? Like, so if exactly. you're working with someone, you go, okay, I've out of my 10 or 20 clients, I've started to see like 70% of the time they keep running up against this thing. I think I need to create a solution for that. Cause I don't know there isn't one yet. Yeah. And so same thing with f- fitness and nutrition coaching, same thing with business coaching. So once you get, and that's why I'll always do one-on-one coaching in some yeah. capacity, because it's the best kind of uh, in the trenches work that I can do if I lose that. Cause especially, you know, the internet business is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not on the pulse of like what's actually working, something is working a year ago or six months ago, even is not quite as relevant anymore. And so it's important to stay up on that. And the way that I do that is through clinical, you know, for, through having the clinical experience.
0: Totally. And it's also a testament to how important it is to invest in yourself and to take that chance. Cause it's risky. And like you talk about, too, it's like really scary when you've never done it before.
1: Totally. I think it's a different mindset, right? I think I kind of grew up in the mindset of do it yourself. If Mm -hmm. you want something done right, do it yourself. I'll figure it out. And that takes you. And I had been fairly successful up until a point with that method until I wasn't anymore. And so I think at that point you go, okay, you know, I as much as my intention is that I want to figure it out myself. The reality is I keep not figuring it out myself. Yeah. So I needed to look at that reality and go, I really need to figure out someone who can has the expertise. And I always love that yeah, everything I need to learn is like a book or a coach or a course or something away. So I can always access that. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, and at that point I made the switch into, I'm someone who invests back in myself. And that was a huge shift. I was, I was not comfortable spending money and now it's just a value system of mine. And I spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars every year on ongoing coaching, uh, investing in myself, uh, building my business, education, et cetera. And now it's just a value system.
0: Yeah. And you still do. So it's not totally. something that like you get to a place where it's like, I'm good you know,
1: no. In the last six months I've spent $60,000 on yes. that stuff. Yep. For my business. Yeah. So, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. scary, but it's also like, I know that that's what it takes. I know for me that I tend to get really stale if I'm not trying to expand in different ways. And I trust myself to handle that. I think that's one of the things that why people maybe don't invest is because they go, well, I don't really trust myself to do it or to follow through, yes. or I've already bought things in the past that I haven't done. And so, you know, one of the things I say is, your, your brain is kind of watching your actions. So even if you don't quite utilize 100% of the thing that you purchase or the thing that you invest in, even just your brain watching you give over money in that way goes, oh, I guess I am someone who invests in myself, I guess I am worth it. And you start acting like that type of person. And that's a huge mindset shift. The shift of like, I invest in myself, I'm ready to go big or go home, kind of like that mentality. You don't get there until you start investing and making those scary decisions
0: totally and i just went through that now um investing in you and i was super scared and like i told you i had waited probably three years after like kind of seeing you know what you were doing and in that mentality as well like oh whatever i know what i have to do i just have to work harder i just have to get more clients i just have to make a little bit more money and then eventually you know, not really putting a sense of urgency on it, which sometimes we need to have Mm -hmm. that. And coaches definitely help in that sense too. Um, So what has
1: your experience been the last, so let's contrast that from, the three years that you weren't investing and you were like, I'll figure it out. I'll do. I mean, and you got yourself to a good point point. Yes. and then you got yourself or it's time to invest. You felt like it was the right time. How have things shifted for you over the last, like since you've made that investment?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. It's, you put into words exactly what I've been going through because I think subconsciously our brains, like exactly what you said, see that we're doing this stuff. And then we can see that, it gets easier. But it. But I think it really helps to know that, like, you have my back. Yes, you totally. Know? Yep. And that it's going to, like, be okay and that you've done it before. So I think just knowing, like, because I've always known this information and I've always, um, like, I've known the information of my content and things like that. Right. But actually feeling worthy enough and capable enough to, like, put my face all over my Instagram feed, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yep. – You know, being on Facebook lives all the time, it's, it scared the shit out of me and I put it off as long as possible. But now even in just three months, I've completely gotten to the point where I like feel comfortable at it.
1: I love it. I remember one of the first times you and I talked and I was like, so how much have you really shared your story? Because oh, you yes. have an amazing story and I know yes. you've shared it on the podcast at yes. this point. And you were like, no, I haven't really. And I was like, okay, well, so your homework this week <laughs> yes. is to pull back the curtain and just really be super honest about that. And I think once you start making those small steps, it starts to feel a lot easier. And also a mastermind where you have other people who are doing the same thing, it really does provide that cu- that cushion of – if something does go wrong or I do get myself into a jam and we do like everyone in the group has probably come in and said like, okay, this thing that I thought was going to go well, did not go well. How do I manage it now? And it's nice to have a group, of people who can support you through that, who like you said, have seen it before. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like any question that happens in the group, I've probably seen at least 20 times. Yeah. So it's nice
0: to know like, okay, we do survive. Yeah. Anything that goes wrong, it's
1: survivable, (laughs) you know? And it's like you said, it gives you permission to do more.
0: Exactly. And you were the one that really encouraged me to tell that story. And now, like I told you, once you kind of told me that it was okay to do it and like, it would actually be good for my business Even though I had no shame around it anymore, I was like, well, I'm going to tell everybody now. Like I'm telling like I told like my fiance's mom, I told my client, I just like was like, you know, and I, and like Mm -hmm. you said, I didn't die. You're like, what happened? I'm like, well, I'm here. It's okay.
1: Right. And you're like, and my podcast numbers are going
0: Yes, growing up
1: and my business is growing and I'm making money and I'm doing this thing I mean you know exactly. it's ripping off the band-aid because yes. a lot of people aren't willing to do it because it's know. not easy yes,
0: it's not so it
1: leaves a lot of room for people who are willing to
0: yeah and now it's like a craving now it's like what else can I do how much further <laughs> can I go like what is another thing that scares me because that feeling that you get of like putting yourself on the hook like you say and then following through and keeping your own self accountable, and obviously with the accountability of like coaches and the people around you, um, just really, really, really makes it all worth it.
1: It's the best. It's I know. Best. And I'm, uh, it's been so fun for me to watch your journey too, and just how much you've gotten done in such a short amount of time, and how many lives that you've impacted already. And I know oh, it's going to just Jill. continue from here. Yeah. Thank you. So
0: thank fun. you. Well, I'm so inspired <laughs> by you all the time, and I really love the way that you talk about mindset. We've kind of talked about it now a little bit, but mindset is so interesting to me because I think sometimes we can get caught up with like, oh, this external thing has to change. Like, once my body changes, once mm-hmm. my business makes a certain amount of money, once I get married, once I have a kid or whatever it is, mm-hmm. we think that everything will be okay. And then those things happen. And it's like, yeah, oh, I still feel like shit. Like what's happening. And with <laughs> mindset shifts, and that's like what we're told in society too. like, just get this thing, everything, it'll fix your life. But with yep. mindset, making just a simple, not a simple, it's not easy necessarily, <laughs> but nothing, it's, Comforting and very uncomfortable at the time, at the same time, too, to know that we can just make a mindset shift in order to have our life change. And like circumstances don't actually have to change in order for us to be happy and be in our power. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I'm it really
1: is. I think it is. And you know, maybe this is where you're going with this, but I do think, and I had this really, I remember just this aha moment that I knew that that was so real when I was doing fitness competitions. Mm -hmm. And so fitness competitions for people who don't know is like where you get up on stage in a bikini and you're, you know, very lean, very shredded, very, you know, muscular. Um, and you get judged based on how your body looks. So as women it's kind of strange to me that we subject ourselves to this, but I did that for a number of years and, um, I would be backstage getting ready to go. And there was a lot of women back there and they were in the best shape of their lives, right? Like you're doing this whole thing just for this moment and you know 10% body fat or you know lean and beautiful and hair and makeup and everything's done and i remember being so struck by the fact that people still weren't secure they still weren't yeah. confident they still were miserable they were still complaining and i was like this is weird because we think that there's some objective measure yes. of once we attain the thing that we think we need that everything shifts and it just wasn't my experience so that made me just go okay what else is going on here and really Positive psychology research, people like, you know, who are doing this work, like Sean Acor, Michelle Galen, Tal Ben Jahar, have shown that it really is a mindset shift and that you can use tools like gratitude and self compassion to literally and physiologically shift uh, your perception of the world. Like how yes. your body is functioning, and that is really crazy. And so there is a lot of positive psychology research. This stuff isn't just fluff; it's actually been shown in research to change physiology, lower cortisol, lower anxiety, things like that.
0: So it's real. It's totally real. And then it also lets you know that, like, okay, I'm in charge of the way that I feel. Not to say that, like, we we're not human and we don't have negative emotions sometimes, um, but that we can actually be in charge of our power. And uh, that was the biggest thing for me in my own struggle with food. I'm like, this isn't even about the food. No. This isn't even about my body. You know, I got to a, I got to a weight too where I lost my period at one point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I would look at myself in the mirror and it like wasn't enough. I'm like, totally. what, else, what else can I do? And once I really took my mindset shift, it just completely changed everything. And it's like daily work too. It's like I constantly need my reminders to, like, you know, keep my mind right and everything. You use two frameworks that I've seen you use over the years that I really love, and that is um, scarcity and abundance Mm -hmm. and also the victim um, Mm -hmm. mentality as well. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you can kind of elaborate on those.
1: Sure. So it's exactly what you said, which is when we feel as though we have a say in what happens in our lives. So they've actually shown in research that that's the definition of optimist. So an optimist is not like a Pollyanna. They're not like, oh, nothing bad could ever happen. Like it's not about that. It is about the difference between an optimist and a pessimist is that optimists believe that their actions matter. And so, if you're someone who is in a more of an empowered mindset, you feel like when you do things, when you um, change your attitude, when you take certain action steps. That it does affect outcomes. You actually can have a different life based on the way that you think about things and the way that you picture the world, and a victim mindset in my mind. And I, you know, I sometimes don't really like throwing that word around because there are like legit like victims of crimes and things like that. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about just more. Where, you know, and we all know someone like this, and to be honest, I was like this for the majority of my life, was Mm -hmm. someone feeling as though life was being done to them. So they're constantly complaining about, you know, their boss or their coworker or the traffic. And it's this constant ongoing, uh, you know, monologue about how bad the world is or how, you know, uh, much of a disservice people are doing to them and choosing to see it that way in my mind, takes away our power. So if I constantly Mm. feel like the world is out to get me, that people are doing things to me, that there are toxic people trying to steal my energy, right? Like that's the thing that gets thrown around a lot. If I constantly feel like there are energy vampires, like coming around to steal my energy and, you know, to like all this kind of stuff that we say, um, I feel helpless. I feel like I'm just waiting around for someone to steal my positive energy and I can't do anything to change that. And I always have hated that feeling. And so Mm -hmm. I think when it came to my body, I got to the point where I was like, this exercise is controlling me. I'm doing it because I think I'm in control. It's the opposite. Yeah. I think it's controlling me, right? I I'm trying to eat healthy because I feel like then I'm in control and it was actually controlling me even relationship type stuff, right? Like once you get the the perfect, uh, the perfect husband, the perfect wife or the perfect house, like we, we do all of that to control you know, something that has nothing to do with that. It's all about self-worth and being, in my mind, any scenario and being able to choose my perception if I'm with the love of my life, if I'm single, if I have a home, if I don't have a home, if I'm, you know, just got laid off from a job, if I have an amazing job, if I have this car or that car, like in any scenario, if I can feel good enough and I can also feel like my actions matter, to me, that's a huge elevated mindset shift.
0: Huge. Huge. That's everything because that's going to what we were talking about at the beginning that like our lives are not like determined by external circumstance all the time. And that is so totally. freeing to realize too.
1: Yeah. And it's hard because I think it's we're really we're hard. kind of, we're cultured, right? Like we yes. see, we look in a magazine and we see a beautiful girl with an amazing car and a handsome husband. And, like, and it feels like, oh, if I just had that thing, yes. then I could be affirmed in society's eyes, or I would be like the magazine photo, or I would be, you know, an advertising is, is designed to create a desire to become that thing. So when we see slim bodies and, and my whole thing is those things aren't going away. Like this is not going to go away, right? Mm -hmm. Like beautiful bodies are going to be around people. It's always going to be someone thinner than you more muscular than you has a better car than you who has a more beautiful spouse than you. Like it's all going to be there. And so our job is really feeling as though really owning what we don't have. I think some of I the most that. confident people are the ones who own and are happy with the things that they don't have, right? That's the, that's a, a degree or how, to, how you can maybe measure a sense of self-worth is going like, okay, I'm actually cool that I don't have that. Or I'm actually cool being single, or I'm actually cool not having a house yet, or I'm actually cool not, you know, having this, you know, big job that's making six figures. Like I think when you can go, I'm content in any regard, then you're much more likely to be able to choose to elevate from a place of abundance and not from a place of I'm not good enough.
0: Totally, totally. I completely agree with all of that. And it's almost easier too to put the blame on that external thing than to actually <laughs> like change our lives. You know what I mean? Like, totally. It's easier to say like, oh, I'm not happy because I'm not making six figures right now or I'm not living in the city that I want to live in because sure. then that takes us off the hook to actually do something. And you talk about um, also the fact that people will stay in uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. or undesirable Mm -hmm. situations over like doing the hard thing of getting out of it.
1: Well, it's both, they're both hard, right? Yeah. So we can know that we're feeling miserable. Like we can be like, we can be constantly complaining. And to me, it's a red flag to yourself, even. Like, so just introspect a little bit and go, Am I complaining like all the time? Am I constantly trying to? And I remember this, I was constantly blaming my boss and my situation when I was in a corporate job. And I had to look at myself and I, it really all came to a head when I had a partnership, I was partnering with someone in a business endeavor and, um, I was constantly complaining about the person Mm. and I was like, this is supposedly my business that I'm in 50, 50 and I'm constantly making her the perpetrator and I'm positioning myself as the victim And I remember just being so sick of myself within like six months of that constant. I remember looking around at everyone, you know, my friends and my family, and I would go and I would vent to them. And I'd be like, can you believe this and that? Can you believe? And here's the thing is everyone will agree with you, but nothing changes. Mm -hmm. And so we can know that we're in that victim mode when we're constantly complaining and blaming and yet nothing is changing. And so most people will stay in that because it's familiar. We would choose familiarity and comfort Um, even though it's miserable, over something that's unknown. And so Tim Ferriss, is actually a quote from Tim Ferriss, I'm not sure if I'm going to get it right exactly, but he says people will choose um, misery over, uh, no, they will choose, yeah, over uncertainty.
0: Yes. It's
1: like, right? So uncertainty is- at least it's like, do you choose the devil, you know, or the devil, you don't know. And a lot of people stay in that like devil that they know, just because it's the familiar thing. And we have this with food and exercise, too.
0: Yes, totally, totally. It's so scary to get on the other side (laughs) of a meal plan, or a food list or whatever it is. Um, And I think that trust is a way that we can kind of navigate ourselves through those situations. But I think trust is another thing, too, that in society, and even in like a lot of families, we're never really told that we can trust, that we are able to trust ourselves, right? Like, that's not something that is, um, at least for me, mm-hmm. I, I was never told that when I was younger, even like as a teenager, I was like, well, I always have to like have a plan and I have to mm-hmm. control if I don't have that, then like shit's gonna hit the fan and stuff is just gonna go wrong. So right. you speak well, about it so said, beautifully. Like, stuff
1: is stuff is gonna go wrong. Like you don't even know what stuff. I remember it, exactly it's just a control mechanism. Yeah, right? it's we like go, something's I just gonna know be bad. That I have to do this, and if I don't, then something really bad will happen. Yeah, but we don't actually <laughs> even know what that is. Exactly.
0: Um, can you talk about some ways that we can begin to trust ourselves mm-hmm. and? That we can begin to like really step into that power of that Mm -hmm. greater life that we're wanting. Yeah. So I love that you said that we're just not really taught to trust ourselves
1: because you know, and, and parents are amazing. I'm not a parent, so I can't imagine what it's like, but a lot of times we want to choose safety for our children because we want them to be safe and we want them to be okay. And so we will try to even control and micromanage our children because we want to make sure and make sure they're secure, right? And make sure that things are certain for them. And so we kind of take that on as children. We kind of take on that. Oh, I think I need to have all my ducks in a row so that nothing will go awry. And so really, counterintuitively, building trust is when you create a show of evidence that yes. you got through something that was tough. And so I'll just give this little story because my dad is actually here visiting me mm-hmm. uh, in LA. And one of the ways that I remember at a, as a child, and I haven't really even talked about this but um know, I remember being like four or something and we'd go to McDonald's or Burger King or something like that and I remember just I'd be like dad can I have some ketchup and he would say well you know if you want ketchup go up and ask and I remember feeling so nervous like I didn't you know and so he's gonna stay at his table and he's gonna watch me obviously but I'm gonna walk up to the counter and ask for ketchup myself and I just that example of going like okay I survived it, right? Maybe yes. I wasn't wasn't really mm-hmm. articulate. Maybe I was mumbling. Maybe I was looking down. Maybe I was doing whatever. It wasn't the most perfect display of asking for ketchup, but we got we we got the ketchup. We came back. I was able to do it myself. And now, as a child, I have evidence that I can survive something like that, right? That I did yes. it. And so you're building your confidence. And the fastest way to trust yourself is to build your confidence in new areas. So, like you mentioned. Uh, investing yourself. That's an uncomfortable leap. And so you'll know the things that will help you trust yourself if it's uncomfortable. And so that's hard, right? It's counterintuitive. So hard. Like I don't want to do the thing that's uncomfortable because I want to stay secure. And yet that's the exact thing I have to do in order to be able to trust myself more to create a show of evidence that I can handle it.
0: Exactly. And that's how confidence is built as well. I used to, I'm a very like um, deep thinker. I'm a Virgo. I like analyze everything. So, I always used to just like sit around and think about stuff. I'm like this is how I'm going to do it. I would like map it out <laughs> yeah. and control sure. and like who knows what I'm going to do it, but like the more I think about it, the better it'll be. Yep. And I would never actually like take any action. And because of that, I felt like a victim. I felt disempowered. I felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt like I couldn't speak up for myself. Because, like you said, I had no evidence because I never tried. So it's like a chicken or the egg thing, like which comes first. And in my experience, and I know you talk about this too, action has to come first.
1: It really does. And that's what's really uncomfortable about it. But, you know, you do get faster at recognizing it. Yes, 100%. So now my signal to myself that I have to do the thing is that I feel uncomfortable. And Mm. so you go, it never gets easier, like, but you do recognize it faster. And you go, you know what? I have never done this thing before, but I've done these other 10 things. And even though they didn't go perfectly, I at least, you know, got through it. I survived. I learned some lessons. So for someone who is trying to take an uncomfortable step, I can tell you this from personal experience and from working with the women that I work with, you'll be fine. It's going to be a little messy. It's probably going to be you don't and you don't trust yourself that you can handle it yet. So Danny Jay and I talked about this in our podcast, The Best Life, was if you're thinking about making a shift in your relationship or your career or, um, you know, even your personal life, like making a move or something, you don't have evidence yet that you're going to do well. But you have to look back at other things that you have done and other things that you've got gone through and survived and use that to. Propel you to take that next step, and you will be always, you'll be fine. Yeah, and it's hard to trust that, but
0: it's totally hard. And for me, like, I'm a growth minded person, I know you're a growth minded person, and as humans, we feel comfortable in comfort, like, it feels good. Mm -hmm. Like, even when I wake up, still every day, I'm like, Oh, I just want to stay in bed, I would just (laughs) love to like stay on the couch all day, and like, every once in a while. I'll kind of let myself do that, maybe go like half a day or something, um, which is fine. But And I still have those thoughts in my head where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing anything. But then like if I spend a whole day doing that or like an extended long period of time without doing anything, then um, it doesn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm, And this mm -hmm. is separate from like actually relaxing and whatever. Right. Um, But I don't feel good. So it's like, like you said, it's like, if I don't, if I feel like I don't want to do it, if it feels like I'm going to, like, I might fail, or like, I'm, you know, subject to annihilation, like, that's a little dramatic, but that's what Pema Chodron says, like, every day you go out, you're just subject to annihilation. And I think as humans, we are wired for that struggle. Like, when I look back in my life, every hard period that I've gone through has kind of like, you know spit me out on the other side a different version of myself
1: yeah no it is it's so true and i think one of the things that one of the tools that i use to actually so it's like okay jill okay ashley i know that i'm supposed to get on a comfort zone blah 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 i've heard yeah. this a million times how do i actually do it like what's the thing that when i'm in the moment i'm presented with a choice because the bottom line is we actually don't have all that many choices to step out of our comfort zone maybe a couple times a year If we're lucky, right? Like maybe a big investment or maybe a move or maybe a relationship change or a work change or something, you know, if we, we have a couple a year. So when that choice is presented to you and you go, okay, like I, there, first of all, there's a difference between doing something hard and doing something that makes you miserable. So I think you have to kind of know, like, am I, and I know just speaking for myself, Doing mi- miserable things was something that I became used to because I was a victim and because I wanted to be a martyr. Mm-hmm. I was like, let me just, because that was how I was deriving a sense of self-worth. If I can suffer the most, then I can, you know, then I'm worthy yeah. or whatever. But it was really just hurting me versus totally. something that is hard. And so you're in that choice point. One of the tools that I use is called practical pessimism. I got this from Tim Ferriss. And basically, it's just another word for saying what's the worst case scenario Mm. and mentally going to that place. And if you're someone who is maybe a perfectionist or kind of a control freak, like I'm kind of recovering perfectionist, you don't even want to think about what could possibly go wrong because you're scared that it means you're not good enough. If that ever transpired, it wouldn't be a failure. It would mean that you were a failure, which is different. And so when you go to that place and you allow yourself to mentally go to, okay, what is the worst case scenario? Say I'm going to invest in my business. It's a big investment. Worst case is I don't take advantage of it or I don't learn anything new. Is there anything that, even if I don't make my money back, that would be worth it for me to engage? Maybe I just, again, like we talked about earlier, seeing myself giving the money over. Okay, now I'm someone who invests and I Mm -hmm. start acting like someone who invests. Or maybe it's, Uh, I made some amazing connections and I now have some resources and access to things that I never had before, even if I maybe didn't make my monetary, you know, investment back. Or now I just know what I won't do in the future. Right. So there's always something there's always a metric that you can use to measure what you're getting out of something and going to that worst case scenario and realizing like it's actually not that bad. Yeah. I could actually handle it. And I would be able to take action even if I got myself into that place. Yes. And to me, that is a productivity tool. I'm doing way more if I can see all the angles than if I'm just super scared and need to stay in my comfort zone.
0: Absolutely. And it's also really taking like that driver's seat to your life and taking responsibility for yourself for, you know, if you are somebody who is kind of you're feeling maybe that misery, you're feeling like maybe you're not happy, you know something has to change, you can actually take responsibility, believe in your worthiness, and have a different situation if you want to. Yeah, totally. Which which is totally empowering. It really is. Something that you've taught me too is to own your worth, and something that Rachel Cosgrove talked about when you had her talk at Elevate, the conference that um, we were at Mm -hmm. together, that you put on with all of our mastermind women, uh, last weekend. And she said something that really struck me that I wrote down. And I think she said something like, you have to like, who are you going to become in order to charge this? Mm. Which is another way of saying like, who do you have to become in order to, um, you know, you know, you have to believe in your worthiness in order to do that. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you can elaborate on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I love that. I love that she said that. And, um, hopefully when you guys, when we're interviewing Rachel, cause she's amazing. She was a mentor of mine, one of my first mentors. And I learned so much about owning my worth from her because she just has an energy about her that she just like, she just doesn't take any shit. Like you yeah. just get that vibe off her that she just, she knows her boundaries. She knows her worth. She walks around. Like she just has the confidence to back it up. And so sometimes when we're trying to get to a level and I've been th- thinking about this a lot lately in my business is if I want to get my business to, I don't know, say double, um, you know, maybe my, the revenue I'm bringing in, if I want to double it this year, I have to look around at people who are already making that amount of money and going, what would they choose in this scenario? Like, what would they do here? Would they choose to invest or not? Would they choose to be scared or not? Would they choose to, you know, travel and do this thing or not? And I have to ask myself those questions. So I think in order to start to become the person who is at that level you're trying to get to you have to ask like i mean what would jesus do but it's really like what would oprah do or what would you know and you and make your decision based on someone who is in the situation that you want to get yourself to and so it's kind of like this borrowed confidence right like it's Mm. this kind of borrowed uh mode of operation even or borrowed value system maybe that's not you yet maybe you're not someone who invests but you look at someone who is crushing it and who has the lifestyle or is doing the things that you want to and you have to ask yourself like if they had this choice point what would they choose and literally it's that easy and once you start going down that path you actually start to embody the the kind of person who does those things but you kind of have to borrow it at first
0: yes and it touches upon what we've been talking about like you have to take action so then you can trust yourself or realize (laughs) that you can trust yourself so you can be more confident um, so I really love all of that, and that's the way you walk around, too. Like take no <laughs> well, shit., I, no,
1: I definitely. <laughs> you
0: know I definitely no boundaries. Know, uh, I mean,
1: I do think that ownership is really important. So yes. I know like we kind of throw that that word around, but really, there's something so attractive about someone, and I say attractive, not necessarily like in an aesthetic way, but like attractive. you just want to be around someone yes. who doesn't always isn't always scared of judgment and isn't scared of criticism and isn't scared of the peanut gallery and like and someone who just again owns where they are in their life and isn't ashamed to talk about it or isn't ash- trying to keep it behind closed doors or you know make sh- pretend it's not happening there's something so attractive and that's counterintuitive right we yeah, think like exactly. oh if i if i air my dirty laundry then it's going to look and i think there's a, a way to do it in a way, like an ownership is different than. Sharing because you need affirmation. Ownership is like 100%. the opposite of that. It goes ownerships. I don't need affirmation. I'm good. Yes. And it's a practice, and it's so powerful because it is compelling. It's attractive. It, it just brings people. People want a piece of that. That's why I always oh, say people yeah. po- follow confidence and conviction, and owning the good, the bad, the ugly, and being so unapologetic about it is really attractive. And so, yeah, I mean, definitely learning from Rachel for sure. Um, and another thing she says about like becoming the person you need to is cultivating high self-worth yes. through continuing to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you're gonna bump your prices and you're gonna double your prices, what are you doing on the back end to warrant those increased prices? Like you need to continue to invest, you need to keep educating yourself, you need to keep learning, you need to keep reading, you need to keep like you have to keep doing the things that someone would do who is at that level. And so cultivating high self-worth has to do with continuing to stay up on stuff. I'm obsessed with relevancy Mm -hmm. in my business because that's what I'm trying to help people with. And I can't, you know, like the success of my clients depends on how uh, much I stay up on that stuff. And
0: so it's non-negotiable. I love all of that. I'm like, amen to (laughs) all of these things. And I love the overlapping themes too, because it's like, like I was saying before, you touch one thing and then it just kind of like dominoes into different things. And I think too, like the way you talk, it really seems like I didn't know you before. So I only know you as this person, as the Joe that I know today. So I can't picture you as like the way you talked about yourself before. And the same thing with me, like I am a completely different person than I was like 10 years ago, five years ago. And in the process, it doesn't feel like I'm changing really. Right. But looking back, I'm like, whoa, who was that back then? You know, it's like and yeah. I'm grateful at the same time, too, because yeah. I'm a big believer that like everybody has their path and things happen to you for, um, um, you know, to not necessarily for a reason, but we become who we become because of the things that have happened to us and our perception of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially as you're, you know, you're growing up and you're, yeah. I have a lot of, um, when I think back to who I was when I first got into this industry and how obsessed I was with my body and how insecure I was and, you know, how, like, a lot of the ego pursuits, I have a lot of compassion for yes. that woman, right, mm-hmm. for my, like, 24-year-old totally. self. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, instead of feeling shame and feeling like, I can't believe I was I was like that, you know, I didn't know. You know, we didn't yeah. know. We don't know. We're growing up. We're going through. We're growing in all different ways. And so I have, a, and I'm sure I'll look back 10 years from now and have a huge wave of compassion for the person I was at 36. I think it is um, important to look back, not with embarrassment or regret, but with compassion and with an eye for growth and just go, that was needed. Like you said, that needed to happen in order for me to embody the person I'm really supposed to become.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with all of that. And yeah, So you are also amazing at talking about moderation and I need to have you talk about moderation a little bit because you, um, really have this different way of talking about it. Um, I don't think anybody out there is talking about it the way that you do. And I know a lot of the women that listen to the podcast are petrified of food. Mm
1: -hmm. They're like,
0: I can't even go to the office because what's going to happen with the donuts. Like I'm going to eat them all. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can just give a quick overview of um, moderation in the way that you see it.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, and so you know, one of the things to remember is there's so much overlap from all of this stuff, right? So yes, we had yes. we already had a big discussion about control versus trust. Yeah. To me, they're polar opposites, right? Like it's like I'm trying to control this thing over here because I don't trust myself, and then when I start to come into trust, really self trust is the ultimate in control, right? So for example. If I trust myself to be around any food situation anytime, I'm not stressed and I'm going to eat all the donuts because I trust myself to, I don't know, have a couple of bites and be able to move on. But mm-hmm. I think when we talk about moderation or we talk about mindfulness, when it's, it's food related – We can get really scared because we haven't had the, again, we haven't had the experience of being able to take a couple of bites and not finish off the whole thing. And so we have to, like everything, we do have to practice. One of the practices that I use is, so this is exposure therapy. This is actually real research that they've used with people who are obese. um, And they take them to um, all-you-can-eat buffets. And they have them practice mindfulness by being exposed to that like that scarce mentality around food, like there's not going to be enough. I don't trust myself around it. Um, what if I don't have this opportunity again? All these kind of scarce mindsets. And really, this is like marketing, right? We we'll go to the grocery store and it's like, buy one, get one. And you end up buying extra food that you didn't even want because it was a deal or you, you know, ate extra food because you didn't want to waste it or like all these kind of this is marketing, right? This is food marketing. Yes. For our brains. And so we're, we have to unlearn a lot of those scarce feelings around food and so exposure therapy goes like here literally throws you in the lion's den like here deal with it you're gonna be around donuts right you're just gonna be around donuts so you have to figure out a way to navigate it and the tool really is mindfulness that's a tool Mm -hmm. these words like moderation mindfulness you know they're they're fine like to me that's what they are and they're extremely, extremely important there. They are the tools, but the words, some people like do their eyes, like just gloss over. Cause yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Mindfulness. Oh yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But really mindfulness is the tool. So it is going, okay, I'm going to show up at a, all you can eat buffet or I'm going to go and be around these donuts and I'm going to mindfully consciously take a couple of bites of this and then I'm going to go back to my table or I'm going to go back to my office or I'm going to go back to whatever and I'm going to sit for a while, and then maybe 20, 30 minutes later, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to maybe get another bite or two, and then I'm going to go back to my, you know. So it's it's this I call it intermittent sampling, mm-hmm. where you go, take a bite or two, leave, then if you want to, right, then you check in with yourself, do I want more? Yes or no, and if I do, cool, no judgment, go back, couple bites, leave be away from it, do some mindfulness, okay, do I want more, yes or no, yes, okay, cool, no judgment, go back, and so you can have it, and really, it's not about the outcome, I think people are scared of like, well, Jill, I'm going to just end up eating the entire dozen donuts, right, if we just keep doing that, but it's not about the outcome, it's about the process, so the process is this take, literally, like we talked about earlier, your brain seeing yourself taking a couple of bites and being able to leave without polishing it off, and that's what the practice is, because the reality is we're going to be around these foods, And wouldn't you rather preempt and take a preventative approach to like an all angles approach ahead of time instead of being like, I can't be around donuts. I can't be around donuts. And then all of a sudden when you are feeling helpless. So really exposure therapy is being around the foods and then just watching yourself and not being scared of quote, messing up. I don't Mm. really understand why when we're learning a new language or we're learning a new musical instrument, right? We expect to, we expect that we're going to mess up. We we are like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to practice same thing with food. And the thing to remember is you're never, you don't just start like eating stuff and never stop. It's like, if you're practicing mindfulness, you might have a couple uh, instances of overindulging, but that's part of the process. Nothing Mm -hmm. is irreversible. You never reach a point of no returns. Like there's always somewhere you can go. And here's the thing, the old way of like calorie deprivation and excess exercise will always be there for you. So why not try this new way? and learn to trust yourself through mindfulness. And so it is as counterintuitive as it sounds, the tool is not just get it out of the house. It's literally like have it in the house, expose yourself to it and be mindful when you take portions. And don't judge yourself if you have to take like three or four portions like you're learning and it's gonna take some time and it's a practice.
0: Yeah, it's like practice and then data and then like (laughs) analyzation, like uh, more practice, more data. And I really think it's about making an empowered choice Because like you can think to yourself in that moment, you can be mindful and you can be like, wait, do I actually even want this? Or do Mm -hmm. I want it because it's not allowed? Or because I haven't allowed myself to have it in so long? Because an empowered choice is also just saying no to them as well if you don't want them.
1: Yeah, and that's hard because again, our marketing mind is constantly like, well, maybe this is the last time I'm gonna have access to these. And you know, I know when I start my diet on Monday, that this is gonna be off limit, so I have to take full advantage now. That's a scarcity mindset of yes. this food is eventually gonna be off limit, so I have to go over and above right now because when am I gonna get this opportunity again? And so a lot of times, the, all I'm doing with the Moderation 365 curriculum is like putting words to things that people are already feeling. Mm-hmm. And so then, and then unlearning them and just going like, oh, the awareness of, yeah, I do do that. Okay, great, what's a, a way we can change that up or just disrupt that pattern and then you mentioned which is you know kind of the data piece which is getting objective which is a whole separate thing cuz a lot mm-hmm. of us do we attach ourselves to our physique or we attach ourselves to our eating habits or we attach ourselves to what size clothing that we're wearing so if we can just go okay this is just clinical i'm learning you know if i overindulge once or twice you know it, it's not the end of the world it doesn't mean i'm a bad person it doesn't mean i'm wrong it doesn't mean i'm weak it doesn't mean i have no willpower it doesn't mean any of that stuff it just means i'm practicing
0: yeah and it doesn't mean you're going to gain 50 pounds in a night, no. which is what I thought. Like literally, yeah, I'm totally. like, I'm going to gain 50 pounds. Like if I <laughs> allow myself to go to a buffet or something, yeah. even though that's not possible, but right. I still thought it. That's um, a
1: control. That's a control freak in all yeah.
0: of us. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so something I ask all the guests is the concept, or talk to all of them about, is the concept of intuition and you have such a great like business acumen and the way that you communicate is so clear and articulate. So I'm wondering, how do you listen to your intuition and what are some kind of tools that you go through to, to listen to it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like it's kind of the theme of this conversation, which is self trust. Right? So, you know, when I've, I've talked to people about intuition, And they've said like, well, you know, I knew I should have gone with my gut or I, you know, I, I know I went, I went against my intuition. I just have not experienced that all that Mm -hmm. much. So I'm, I'm like, I wonder if I'm intuitive. And I think because I just literally go with my intuition most of the time, I don't even have to think about like, is this intuitive or not? I'm just literally like, so for me, it is the difference between here's how you would know, if you are going against your intuition. I think sometimes It might be hard to know if you're going with your intuition. It might be easier to know if you're going against. And that is when something just doesn't sit right for you. Like, for example, maybe you feel out of your integrity. I get this feeling if I ever find myself kind of like telling a white lie or like a lie of omission. I'm just like, you know, even in marketing, right? We get, we, a lot of people lie in their marketing and I just, if I don't have, if I'm not my integrity in my marketing, then I have nothing. But I get that feeling. I get like a visceral feeling of this isn't cool. I don't like this. This is not the person that I am. And so you'll know that you're going against your intuition when things are not sitting right and you're doing something that feels out of your integrity. Mm -hmm. When you're like, okay, like this is not what I want or this is going in a direction that doesn't feel good for me. And so again, you have to come back to that self-trust to know that even if you, for example, in business, especially if you get a coach, you know, it's really easy to just like listen to your coach, but you also need to digest it and go, okay, my coach said maybe this would be the right thing, but that's just not quite like, that's just not me. So you have to have a certain level of self-awareness too. And like knowing yourself. And so if you have that self-awareness, you go, that's not really sitting right with me, or that would feel out of my integrity to do that. And you have to have the courage and self-trust to, to buck that trend, even if it's a mentor of yours and go, you know what? I appreciate that. I see where you're going with that. Doesn't feel right for me. What do you think about this alternative plan? And so for me, your intuition will tell you based on how it's kind of sitting in your body and that visceral mm-hmm. feeling that you
0: get. That's the same for me. It's like I can feel it instantly. Um, totally. In my body, in my back, in my shoulders, wherever yeah. it is. It's like I feel it right there. Something is not right. So we're kind of wrapping up. We only have a few minutes left, but on this show, a lot of us are big readers and I know you're a big reader too. So what are some books that you're loving right now or some of the books that have had the biggest impact on you in your life?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love books. Um, I'm currently reading A Tribe Called Bliss, which is oh, um, a book by Lori Harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's coming out in May. So I'm not sure when the podcast is dropping, but it's coming out in May. Um, pre-orders are available right now and I got a pre um, a pre-order copy. So I was able to read it ahead of time. I'm reading that right now. Um, I just finished up Jordan Peterson's 12 rules for life. Ooh, it, was I read that. Yeah, it was pretty heavy. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. I don't know. You know, I wanted to read it because it was so many, there was a lot of, um, kind of what's the word, just a lot of mixed opinions. Yeah. And so I kind of like reading things that challenge me in new ways to think about things in new ways. Um, I just kind of go to this for my at work i love byron katie's work she has oh a book God, called loving yes. what is which is a great place to step to start uh and she and the four agreements is really great too uh for business um i love uh the charisma myth is good uh to sell as human is amazing lots of different ones but usually i find myself with mindset books or uh business books but a tribe called bliss and 12 rows for life are the current ones
0: i love it and i have i can't read fiction most no? of the time I, I have a really big like i can't once probably for like every three business or like non-fiction books i'll read a fiction book um but yeah. it really doesn't it doesn't weigh out at all i really love reading about the self-development and the mindfulness and all that
1: yeah for um,
0: sure so one question that i ask every guest is if you were on death row what would be your last meal
1: ooh that's a good one i've never been asked that before You know, it would probably be like mac and cheese. Honestly, like that's the thing that like growing up, that was just like my main, you know, it's funny because right now it's like that would not even be on the menu of stuff to have right now. It's like not, it's not like you have to like try to not have it every second. Mm -hmm. But when I think think about what just tastes like pure
0: taste, oh, so good. So good.
1: And like the craft, like the old like school craft with like the powder, like that I would eat the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. so plastic, but I would totally eat the whole thing.
0: Oh, it's so easy to. (laughs) It's so (laughs) easy to. Well, thank you so so much for being on the show. It was so good. Um, Tell people where they can find you online and if you have anything going on right now that they can check out.
1: Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is such a great conversation and we got to take it in some really cool and go deep. So um, I hope that the listeners enjoyed it. Um, So if you guys are interested in connecting, I'd be open to that anywhere on social media platforms. I'm just Jill Fit on social media. Um, Send me a DM if you like the episode. Um, and if there's anything I can help you guys with that is awesome I don't really have too much going on in the business right this second but if you want to know what's going on and want to get involved you can just sign up for my email newsletter just jillfit.com just anywhere on the site and you'll just
0: be in the loop awesome so we'll put everything in the show notes and thanks again Jill I know everybody will get a bunch of stuff out of this episode
1: my pleasure thanks so much for having me
0: Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.